What's going on, everyone? Welcome. It's another week. This is the Live Life Progressive Show. Sincere Hogan, that's me. And we got Mike Mall on the other line. What's going on, man? I'm doing good, man. We have a fun guest today, so we're going to talk to him in a little bit. But you want to know what else is fun? Underoos. Not only are they fun to wear, just you and your underwear. <laughs> you just go destroy. Like, you gonna put a picture in my head. I don't need to start off with the beginning of the show. Like, come oh, on, come on, man. man. We know you're. We know are, you're. Are we you know, gonna reference? We know you're rocking those Darth Vader underoos right now as we speak. Hey, man. To be honest with you, back when I was a kid, when underoos first came out, <laughs> not, not these reprints. I had my Boba Fett underoos, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I reached out to Underoos recently to become a sponsor. I'm like, hey, look, if me undies, everyone's rocking this whole me undies stuff. It's like, hey, why don't we go a different direction and have Underoos okay, come man. on? Every week we're going to come with some different underwear, man. Eventually we're going to have Candy of the Month Club. <laughs> well, our friend Prince Bell is definitely going to be rocking those Darth Vader Underoos on his, his on his Star Wars channel on YouTube. So make sure to to subscribe to you, that Prince, so you don't miss out. I'm telling you, if that if I get a notice in my email that that's the latest video of you doing like a, a lightsaber like confrontation in your on your underoos, I'm unsubscribing, man, because I can't I won't be able to unsee that. <laughs> Just, yeah, first lightsaber lessons, now this. Come exactly. On. <laughs> Are you certified in lightsaber? No, in underoos, I am. <laughs> 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 I can tell you exactly. I mean, this is for women only. What underoos are a perfect fit for your body type? <laughs> it's like you, I think, should be a wonder. I will guarantee lady. that. I will guarantee that if they've remarketed underoos, you will see video from Mark Fisher Fitness of like full classes in underoos. He runs some of the wildest stuff, man. He's done some great stuff. He's got people moving again and. I mean, they're one of the funnest gyms. I mean, they have a blast over there. Uh, Coach Coach Fury, Coach Fury Hollander is over there, uh-huh. and uh, they they do some really great stuff. I'm really impressed by what they've got. They've reached out to a demographic of people who didn't think that fitness was for them. And I, I you know, I, I give. <laughs> and, I then give they, and then they and then they saw the underoos. I was about to say, I, I'm, <laughs> I would pay good money to see who this audience is. That's gonna <laughs> think, like, hey, <laughs> I want to do fitness in my underoos. <laughs> Okay, first of all, basement. First of all, because yeah, you first of all, who are these people? That ha- yeah, exactly. With underoos, <laughs> this is not going to be a fun class for any of us on this show right now. <laughs> this, is, this is actually a demographic of adults who actually have underoos. <laughs> who are like, oh man, other people like me working out in underoos. <laughs> underoos for underachievers. That's what we're talking. That's what we're talking. Are, are they remarketing granules too? That's what I want to know. Well, un- underoos is actually still around. That's the funniest yeah, part. Yeah, well, I, mean, I, I didn't even know that. No, I. Every now and then you'll see these internet models, quote unquote, you know, and they'll be posing in her Wonder Woman underoos. I'm like, okay, first of all, where'd you find those? And back to the internet model thing. What does that even mean? It's just so, yeah, man. It means you don't get paid to do it. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It always says email for bookings, and it's always, you know, internetmodel at gmail.com. Like, oh, yeah, you sound like It's like these girls have photo shoots on Facebook, but they leave out the part that they paid to do those photo shoots. They didn't get paid to do them. They paid to do them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and true. just because you put sponsored model does not mean that you're getting paid, okay? Because they can just throw you some supplements or something like that on a T-shirt, and all of a sudden you're a sponsored model. Stop. Well, you know what's funny is that in Ryan Holiday's new book, which is great, by the way, Ego is the Enemy, yeah. really good. We just got to get him back on to talk about that book. But anyway, he talks about how a lot of people feel like they're already successful because of social media, all the attention they get on social media, that even though they don't have real success, because they feel like they're successful, 
that's enough. Look, man, here's my thing. You got all those followers. Can you match a dollar to every follower that you yeah, have exactly. in your bank account right now? That's when you think you're on to something. So if you got a million followers and you got a hundred dollars in the bank, it's not working. <laughs> it's not. Okay. But that's also the yeah, problem that's... with a lot of visualization techniques is where people will do these high level visualizations and now they feel like they've already accomplished what they visualized. Yes. And they're <laughs> actually have, they actually have less incentive to well, go after it in the real world. Well, there you have it right there. It's visualization techniques. So basically, they got, all these, they got all these people looking at them and they feel like they're successful. But, you know, here's the thing we say visualize, visual lies. Visual hyphen lies, people. Okay. Don't look. I'm about to go into Farrakhan mode now. It's not visualization. It's visualizing to the nation. Don't you tell me, brother. Come on. Who are you to tell me? Who are you to tell me, brother? No, but the thing about visualization is that imagine that you go through this hypnosis, right, where you visualize hitting this deadlift PR and it feels really authentic. It feels real. Are you going to be more inclined to want to go achieve that in the real world, or are you going to feel like you already did and don't feel like you have to go achieve it in the real world? <laughs> you know? And I think in a lot of cases, it's the latter, is that people create these imaginary lives in their head, and they visualize it so well that they feel like they've actually achieved something when all they did was dream, basically. I think it's what we were talking about um, <laughs> um, with um, Cosmo last week, I believe, when he was saying, you know, all these guys, you know, you ask them, like, what they bench, and then they tell you, but then you put them on the bench, all of a sudden it's like, nope, not quite, but not even close. Yeah, no, that was, I think I brought that up yeah, yeah. before. It was, it, was, it was men's fitness used to yeah. go around and find people on the street. It was either men's fitness or men's health, and they would ask them, what's your bench press? And then they would take them to the gym immediately afterwards and test it. And not one guy ever could do what he said he could do. It was always 50-pound deficit from what he said he could do and what he could actually do. So they would say, oh, I can bench 200, which is a standard generic response that every average guy will say, oh, I can do at least 200. <laughs> and they would take <laughs> yeah. them to the gym, and these guys could barely – sometimes they couldn't even bench 135, 150. What is it with that magical number with that two and that zero together? I mean, for guys, like, what do you bench? 200. For ladies, how much weight do you want to lose? I want to lose at least 20 pounds. I want to get down to 120. <laughs> what the hell does that two and zero have to do with anything? Why is everybody so focused on that? I don't understand. Well, it's, it's something that's achievable for everybody, right? Like, any guy who works out should be able to bench press 200 pounds at some point. It's not difficult to do. Yeah. Now, it's also it's, – it's not difficult to do, but you actually have to go put in some work, some level of work to achieve it. Very few guys just lie on the bench the first time and they can hit 200. I mean someone like Mike Tyson bench pressed 250 the first time he ever tried. He's a genetic freak. The average guy, they're going to get pinned with 100 pounds like I did you know, the first time they ever try. <laughs> but working up to 200-pound bench press, that's within the realm of possibility for just about anybody. Now, the problem is because it is – a lot of people feel like they don't actually have to do it. They can just say they did it. Right? Or the problem is <laughs> once they so do it, they like they're good. Just like right, I'm good now. I don't have to do anything more. Than this. <laughs> yeah. I can I can bench 200, man. <laughs> like the minimalist out there is like, okay, I hit that minimum mark. Yeah, I'm good now. The gateway. Well, it's like it's like that guy in at the cigar lounge near my house in Syria when we were talking to him, and he yeah. was a, he's a black belt in Aikido, I believe. Yeah. And he basically said that, look, when you get a black belt, that's considered the starting point. It's not the end point. It's like, okay, you're serious. Now let's really get going here. Exactly. Yeah, sure. that's uh, that's considered in jiu-jitsu as well, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So a lot of people look at the black belt as the end game, meaning they want to achieve that. And then like, okay, I'm done. I can put the plaque on my wall. I can tell people I did it, and I don't have to train anymore. Kind of like uh, the college mentality, right? Like sometimes people get their PhD and they're so burned out because it's such an arduous task to get that. They're like, man, I'm never going to read a book again. 
And that should be the wrong mentality. That should be the beginning of your learning process rather than the end of it. Sometimes on the flip side of that, you know, once they get their PhD, like, oh, I'm pretty good at getting these degrees. Let me start in another subject and start from there and get a, <laughs> get a bachelor's in that and then get a master's in that. And then next thing you know, they got five degrees. They become the paper chasers. And it's like, okay. And meanwhile, you're still unemployed. Oh, and that student loan debt, pretty freaking large. I knew this girl in LA, right, from Africa. And she had these very wealthy parents. And her parents told her as long as she stayed in school, they would pay all of her bills. So she did just that sincere. She became a professional student. Yeah. So we'd get one degree and then go back and start again. She's like, I'd rather do this than get a job. Like, well, I mean, oh. it sucks because even if you're filling out a job as a student, you know, they even consider that being a student as your occupation, a full-time job. And you can actually put that on an application. So I think that's where the, men- the mentality begins when you're, especially like you're a freshman. You're like, wait a minute. You count this as full-time employment? Just going to school? That's another illusion. It's like you're paying to be there. You're not paid <laughs> right. to be there, right? Like, no one, like, no like one goes to Walmart and pays paying. to work at Walmart. It's like you're getting, yeah, right, exactly. you're getting a check, man. It may not be much, but you're getting a check. So you got your check for the week? You know, for me? No, you got to pay us, man, to be here. <laughs> exactly. Be that greeter. <laughs> well, then it becomes, well, you're training them now how to deal with, you know, paying their taxes and getting an income tax return. So basically <laughs> it's, the same, it's the same process, the same pyramid scheme. I'm going to give you this, this interest-free loan, and you're going to give me some money back and say thank you, but it's the same amount that I gave you. Wait a minute. There's no – nope. <laughs> so, no, you, you, pay, you pay to work. Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, real quick, real quick, Gavin, let, let me just do some of these LLA shout outs yeah. and then we'll get rolling here. Oh, we've been talking for two Excellent. minutes, yeah. but let me just interject yes. this. Just a bunch of people that have been using that coupon code LLA to get 10% off the best nutrition supplements money can buy. So that's one of the perks of listening to the show and supporting the show is that you learn about the coupon code LLA, which allows you to get 10% off both of our websites on anything you see there. So we have Tom Suttle, Michael Richards, Kelly K. Campion, Richard Baudry, Dave Jenkins, Manuel Reyes, Jeff Ferguson, Damon Willis, Audrey Powell, Charlie Richmond, and Matthew Tucker. There are just a few of the people that use that coupon code LLA. Oh, and on that note, let's talk about also, and also, you know, Andrew Wesson and Jared Filty and you know, the Lord, the Sith Lord himself, Prince Bell, you know, also using that coupon called LLA. And also our new Patreon supporters, Matthew Vanderlip, Brian Gill, and Maurice Burroughs. You know, just head over to patreon.com slash LLA podcast, become a supporter of the show on a monthly basis. There you go. And that, and that's how you really support the show, yes. the whole Patreon thing, because basically you're not getting something in return. Other than <laughs> you know? the show you're and the great exactly. content. I mean, you're not getting something additional in return is what I should say. Right. Because with the products, it's like, oh, I'm going to buy some products that support the show. It's like, well, you're getting products at a discount. So that's still a win-win. Win-win for you more than me. It helps me, obviously, but it's just an extra benefit for you. Yeah, well, anyway, Patreon just become, like, yeah. become a Patreon supporter, long-winded. When you so. really believe in the show, like, you know what, man? Hey, I'm just going to support you guys this way. We're good with that, too. So, yeah, man. And, and don't worry if you haven't done it yet because soon we're going to have mandatory Patreon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's one way to increase donations. Just make it mandatory. Yeah. Isn't that a great idea? It's like if you go to a class, instead of having a donation bucket, actually charge people up front to take the class. Isn't that smart? <laughs> All right. We've got Gavin Van Vlack, as you probably recognize his voice, guitarist for Burn, high-level strength coach, all-around renaissance guy. How you doing, Gavin? I'm good, man. How you doing, man? It's good to be back. Yeah, it's good. great to have you back, especially after you flaked last time. That was my – dude, I, I, I'm going to own that. I totally, like, I totally did it. Like, my schedule got so overrun 
And I looked at my clock and I was like, oh my God, I totally just. Like I'm stuck in traffic. I can't get to my car. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it, it was it just bad, bad timing on my behalf. And I will absolutely own that. It was. That happens, man. Yeah. It's my fault. We've had people flake multiple times. They don't feel too bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've had people do it two times in a row. We don't give them a third strike. Okay, it's, not, it's, not a club I, yeah, it's not a club I want to belong to. <laughs> so, how's everything going with Burn, man? Podcast. Everything with Burn is really good right now. We're uh, in the process of writing a new record. Um, we're rehearsing. we got these shows in August, which will be really, really awesome. I'm looking forward to. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just – it's it's kind of uh, – it's it's daily work. It's like I, I treat it like I do. I treat my facility. I, I, I make a portion of time per day that, that this is dedicated towards working on, on the band and getting that business working properly. Right. Um, you know, I'm not a – I'm not one of those musicians who like sits around waiting for inspiration. I'm a big believer in like the Stephen King saying, like amateurs wait for inspiration. The rest of us just get up and get to work. Right. You know, um, and uh, that's I find it to be the most productive thing, like getting up, make some time, put some time into the band, whether it's answer, answering emails, working on songs, um, scheduling stuff, so on and so forth. And then, you know, I have my portion of the day, which I have to work on my facility. Then I have a couple, I still have a couple of clients, although I am kind of phasing out of the personal training aspect a bit more being in the, um, in the, the function of the gym and making it so my coaches are making more money. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my client, my, our membership is happier and, you know, that's all working well. I mean, things are, I mean, I can't complain. Every, every day has just been a little bit better. So, you know, even the bad days are pretty good. So. Is it pretty much essential in the music industry, especially intense music, metal music, to have some other avenue of income besides the band? Um, see, I have a couple, a couple of different, uh, you know, streams of revenue. So, uh, it, to me, it's kind of the, it, it, they all meet up. If one starts to lag down, then it kind of it picks up. And right now, the band is one that we're I'm investing in. Yeah. Which, in order to make it, so you know. We can pay the bills. We have, you know, we have a drummer and a bass player and Chaka and myself that need to be paid. We have a booking agent. We have, uh, you know, management. These are all, you know, parts of the mechanism that have to be compensated for. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it is it's an investment in time and finances. So, yeah, it's true. It's like uh, but if you go about it properly, it does work well. Yeah, because it seems like Todd Jones and Nails, we were talking about Nails, awesome band. They have a great new record out, You Will Never Be One of Us. He has a regular day job, and he was in terror before Nails. Yeah, He was just working in the band, and he realized, okay, this lifestyle is not for me where I'm entirely dependent on income from the band for my lifestyle. He'd rather yeah. have a day job that's separate from the band. The band now, the goal of the band now is just to pay for itself do enough touring so it pays for the record or sell enough of the record that it pays for the production. Yeah. So that's it. That that's an entity that's contained yeah, I mean, on its that own. Makes sense. That is not, absolutely. But that should be the first goal in any business that you're starting off. And I don't want to sound like some kind of life coach. Uh, you know, it's like, is to get it. So it's up on its feet first. So right. it can handle its own weight. Um, and then from there, like when you can start to find a way to make, make it into a, into a, like an advantageous stream of revenue, that's great. But right now it's like, we've just gotten to the point where, you know, burn is paying its own bills, which is good. Um, you know, and those bills are quite honestly, cause I don't, I'm not pulling a paycheck from burn, but you know, I, we have a bass player and we have a drummer. They, they need income. 
I make sure that our, our, our workers are taken care of. I'm a big fan of taking care of the employees. If you have happy employees, you have happy clients. I treat, I treat my facility the same way. Right. Well, where where is your gym? Under a metro station? I was about to say it's no, a true no, New Yorker, right? I hear the I hear the L right oh, in the background, man. <laughs> oh, we are in glamorous and exciting Bushwick, baby. Um, <laughs> hey, baby. I, I, I love this. I love this neighborhood. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff going on out here. A lot of great art. A lot of great music. A lot of great restaurants. Um, last night was the Fourth of July. We were me and some friends were bouncing from rooftop party to rooftop party, and the vibe was just amazing. I I, I was just really impressed that like people were just having a good time it wasn't you know crazy off the wall getting fucked up it was just really good i really do dig this neighborhood a lot because it has a lot of what i think new york offers people um you know i grew up in the east village which at a point there was a lot of really great music and art there but that neighborhood has changed um i still have my place in the east village which i do live at but i have an apartment out here because it's a little convenient to have something near the facility if i have to be here quickly um but yeah, it's like you know we we've got trains and sirens pretty much all during during most of the working hours in in uh, Bushwick. So it wouldn't be New York if it didn't, man. Absolutely. I think I think that's someone coming to pick up one of your clients. A Turkish getup just <laughs> went awry there. <laughs> now we do a good job of not we get we get games without 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 that kind of pain with. Yeah, it's good. good. It's good not to have any serious injuries when you're trying to get gains. Yeah. It helps helps make helps avoid impeding progress. Yeah, I don't think it's called at that point. It's not gains anymore. Well, it's it kind abs- of minuses at that point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's absolutely, and it's like you know, it's like I, I I tell you know our interns. I'm like, listen, I could I could go out in the street and get anybody to bring someone up here and get them tired. You know, right. you need right. these progressively. And I mean, I, I you guys you guys are at the top of your field. You know this, but. It's, I always say it's better to develop strength than to test strength. Because after right. a while, you're not going to have the answers. You're going to fail the test. Well, there was so, there um, was a guy I was trying to test strength the other day at the gym while I was building strength, and it, and it didn't work out. And he's a nice guy, so I'm not going to rip on him too much. But basically, I was doing heavy deadlifts. I worked up to my top set, and that day it was 525, so I wanted to go for two or three reps. Anyway, this guy just comes over, and he goes, hey, would you mind if I work in with you? And oh. <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure. You want to take a couple plates off? First of all, I was like, why do you want to work in with me when there's plenty of empty bars? <laughs> you know? yeah. But for me, maybe it was just motivational reasons. So I was like, uh, you know, I got a little time before I go for this. I was like, yeah, sure. We can take a couple plates off. He's like, no, nah, man. He's like, yeah, I want to see if I can do that. And I was like, oh. And I was like, I don't know anything about this guy. So for all I know, he can deadlift 525 10 times. So I didn't want to sit yeah. there and be arrogant and be like, come on, man. Isn't this a little bit too heavy for you? So anyway, I was like, yeah, go for it. Now, I could just tell by the way he walked over to the bar, the way he grabbed the bar, his foot stance, how far the bar was away from him. I go, this is not going to be good. I go, but it's better. I I go, it's better if I wait for him to fail, then offer advice, then do it ahead of time. So he tries to pull the bar. It doesn't budge. I mean, it doesn't move. (laughs) The only thing that moves is his ass going up and the bar going nowhere. And he's like, oh, man. He's like, that's heavy. I was like, yeah, it's kind of heavy, especially if you haven't warmed up. (laughs) Just walk it over. (laughs) So anyway, I I hit my set. I just do two reps. And it was difficult, but two clean reps. And he's like, "Oh wow, that was good, man." It's like, let me try it again. And I was like, "Wait a minute, man." I was like, "Let me give you, let, let me give you some advice here." I go, "Let's let's take a little bit of weight off." But he was insistent. He wanted to try 525. So I'm like, "All right, at least do this. At least drop your hips, dip and drive. Make sure the bar's not too far far away from your shins." 
again, to no avail. This time the bar moves an inch, so I'll give him that. <laughs> I think that's just the advice I gave him <laughs> on how to set up. And then he, we took some of the weight off down to 495. It's like, let me try that. And he got that off a couple inches. And I was like, look, man, you're going about this all the wrong way. I was like, you need to go really light drill technique. Just work on stuff. Don't demonstrate strength, or in this case, attempt to demonstrate strength. You know, you need to build strength. You don't just try to pick up something heavy without having the technique there. Yeah, deadlift is not yeah. like it's not like a, a internet marketer's way of approaching things where you start with the major goal and then work your way backwards. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't work. That it's way. not forgiving at all. You know? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. That's uh, but to that's this a, guy's credit, he was very susceptible. He, he was he was a very appreciative, and he was also very open to that advice. It's like, okay, yeah, that makes perfect sense. You know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I, I I sent him to look at Matt Krasinski's program or Ed Cohen program. I go start off with a good program. Start way lighter than you think you should. Now that's hard advice for the average guy to take. Yeah. Start way lighter than you think you should. That just goes right over their fucking head. Man. So true. But it's, but it's good advice. That you get, when you get people that want to get strong first and they, they have a misconception of it and uh, they don't realize that this is training and this is a, the deadlift is a skill. And you have to really, really hone that skill in in order to do it correctly so you don't hurt yourself down the line. Right. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest misconception is how they view the word strong. You know, you say, you know, they, they want to get strong first. Well, that's that's the art of getting strong is, you know, starting there and getting these major little victories every time you go to the gym. So start lighter than you, you know, than you should. Right. And then work on the technique, man. Dial it in until it starts feeling effortless. Even when you step up and you finally can make it to 495 or 525, it still should feel effortless. You know, as far yeah. as techniques, you, know, you shouldn't have to really sit there and like, oh, man, OK, what just went wrong? What was that? You should know. You should, as soon as you step up to that bar, you know, like, uh, let me fix my foot before I even think about picking this bar up. Like, right. you can just tell that heel is turned to the inside just a little too much. You know, all those things. Why did you, how do you even know all that? Because you started small and worked your way up, man. You gave yourself time to grow into the deadlift and then just try to take on this major task right there. And that right there, that's building strength right there. Again, they just look at it the, the wrong way as far as being strong. Yeah, you should never, you should never miss lifts, right? You should start light enough that you keep drilling that technique. And then when you want to go heavier, you know, it's there from all the exactly. time. You You'll know when technique. like today, today is not a 545 day. You should know, you should <laughs> during know during the warm up. Your, your, yeah, exactly. During your warm up weights, you should know. If, if, well, 490, I mean, if, if 495 felt really difficult, adding more weight to the bar is probably not going to help. It's not going to make it better. <laughs> yeah. But Sincere said something that was very valid, and that's people allowing themselves to grow into the weight, you know, and they don't get that. Right. You know, and they have to allow that. It's, um, you well, know, it requires a lot of patience, and that's oh, yeah. a word people don't like to hear. Ew. No, well, we live, we live in a very, you know, a very instant everything kind of like, oh, well, I want, you know, I want to be lifting 400 pounds by the end of the month. Well, that's what I like and about working might, out yeah. is that it's, it's, there's, even with all of today's technology, there's no way to speed up the process significantly, right? You can take a couple supplements, you can, you can do active recovery techniques and all that, and all those things help, but it's still going to take yeah. time. It's still going to take many yeah. years to develop impressive numbers. And the real yeah. question is, what is your freaking hurt? What are you in a hurry yeah, for? Exactly. What are you exactly. doing? I mean, I mean, are you, are you, are you like competing, you know, professionally or something like that? And you're trying to make it to a meet and beat a record or whatever. Even then, you're still going to take your time. But my thing is, everyone's in a hurry for what? Well, they're in a it's hurry like so the they can do it you. and not do it again. You're driving and there's a red light here, but this is guy that's ramming you, tailgating you, and he <laughs> wants to get around. So you let him around, he speeds right up to the same red light you're going to. And I just look at him, <laughs> you're in a hurry to go nowhere fast, buddy. Okay, so right. that's such that's such a valid point, and it's like that statement in itself has such a broad bearing on how people just go about their lives in general. But you know, it's like 
oh, I want to get it all right now, and then what? Then what? Well, people are always thinking about people are always thinking about what's coming next, right? You go to a concert and they're already planning. Okay, what are we going to do after? And the concert hasn't even started. Oh yeah, you go to dinner and they're already thinking about dessert, but they haven't even owned the appetizer (laughs) yet. Like, where are we going to go for dessert after this? Or what? what (laughs) Like, can I eat my appetizer first? (laughs) Can we can we just fucking enjoy this moment? You know, that's the big. Well, well, that's something sincere and I have in common is we're both slow eaters, so we're eating dinner and people around us are done and we're just. (laughs) <laughs> we're just we're just at the very beginning of the meal, and the waiter keeps coming over like, "Oh, you guys done?" It's like, "Nope, still working on it." Twenty hey, man, minutes later, nope, still working on it. One more time, dude. I'm seriously. Don't <laughs> well, even think about taking that knot off my table, homeboy. <laughs> you're 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 really kind of like you're really proper eaters because I'll tell you, I'm I'm guilty of fucking wolfing down food, like like it's like I got to get someone somewhere really fast, which sometimes I do, but more times than not, I don't. And it's like I've caught myself being like, man, why am I rushing through this meal? This is really good food. I should be just enjoying this shit. Right. You know? Right. A lot of people are that way. And I gotta I gotta you know, I gotta pull the card on myself. I get like that sometimes too. Well, I think and we all I, do at points. Yeah, sure. certain yeah. things. And sometimes I just I'm around people I don't feel like being around. Or it may be the actual <laughs> audience of that restaurant. I'm like, you know what? Can I just get this to go? I'm just I just need to go. Because you know, you might go into the restaurant, you have this like a table full of these drunk assholes. You know, just oh, and it's just obnoxious and no one's gonna say anything. It's like, okay, I'm not gonna be that guy. You know, the restaurant they wanna deal with it, I don't have to. Uh can you go ahead and pack this up? I'm ready to go, man. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be that's that, what, it's gonna be you know, that group of people sometimes. That, you that's know. a good lesson right there. I go if, if how do you know if sincere likes you or not? Well, if he's trying to eat through his meal as quickly as possible and get away. <laughs> Is he eating yep. slow or is he trying to finish that meal as fast Come as on. possible? After three bites, is he asking for a to-go to go box? <laughs> that says a lot like, right there. Like, yeah, you just sat down. It's like, yeah, I got to go now. But if he sits down, he orders like a, you know, he has like a pot of tea afterwards. That means he plans to sit there with you for a while. That's the equivalent of me having a cigar in a restaurant if I order a pot of tea. That means I'm not going anywhere anytime fast. It drives my wife crazy. So she's like, are you almost done with your tea? I'm like, uh, ma'am, can no. I drink this, please? <laughs> Come on. No, but people yeah. have that mentality with training as well. They... They just want to get it over with quickly. If you should enjoy the process, you should realize it's going to take a while. And then when you have those inevitable workouts that are crappy, quote unquote, crappy workouts, you don't feel strong. It's not a big deal because it's just one little peg on on a board that's going to last for a while. And it gives you a time. It gives you a chance to reflect on, okay, why was this a crappy workout? It probably had nothing to do with your strength or the actual weight itself. You may have just had some crappy sleep. You may have not eaten enough that day to energize it. You may be dehydrated, especially if you live here in Texas. You'll know if you're having a crappy workout because it's hot as hell. And my gym has no AC, so it's usually anywhere between 95 to 100 degrees inside the gym. So you get to do hot yoga and all that in one time with me, but (laughs) (laughs) you get to sweat it all out. So you got to ask yourself, like, am I hydrated enough? You know, did I get enough rest? You know, or is my mind just somewhere else? You know, you're really thinking about the crappy day you had at work or the issues you may be having with your relationship or who knows, man. So you get to reflect on, okay, what can I fix now so I don't have to deal with that the next time I go in because I'm not going to sit here and miss this lift two days in a row in the same week. That's going to suck. <laughs> it's not good for your confidence level either. Then you well, sometimes, sometimes you just need to back off and you realize yeah. that I needed to do that back off week a couple weeks ago and I skipped it and now yeah. it's catching up with me because if you do that whole three weeks forward, you pull one back regardless of how strong or a week you feel that back off week is usually a saver it's with gold man progress. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. The deload, I found the deload, deload week. Yeah, yeah. Deload weeks are just they're they're man, and it's it's tough to get. Yeah, I've got some. I've got a couple young athletes who like they're off season now from doing Muay Thai. So like, what I like to do with them is like get them on their deadlifts, get them on their heavy weights, 
And it's to get these guys to do a proper rest. Like, dude, we're, we're lifting heavy. We're lifting threes, threes and fives here, you know, with, you know, so let's take some decent rest. They're like, you can't get a guy to sit down for three to four minutes just to rest. I'm like, dude, you know, just relax. This is part of the process. And, uh, yeah, it's the patience thing. You're, you're right, Mike. You have to be patient straight across the board. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to apply powerlifting principles with CrossFit principles, where you're doing a heavy <laughs> deadlift yeah. and <laughs> let me take a break. Is like I'm going to do a heavy deadlift, then I'm going to do 20 burpees immediately after, then I'm going to do pull-ups, then I'm going to go right back to the deadlift without a break. It's like, Man, no. let me tell you, if you can do heavy deadlifts and still want to do 20 burpees after whatever, yeah, you didn't do it. It wasn't heavy. I'm looking like, can someone just please wheel me to my truck, please, so I can go back home? <laughs> That's the time you wish you had a chauffeur or someone to drive for you after a heavy deadlift session it's Last so, neuro, it's so neurologically taxing that yeah. you look forward to those three minute breaks <laughs> uh, absolutely i can't i mean i i always tell guys like, if it bores you bring a book <laughs> you know <laughs> well mark mark Phillippe said that ed cohen legendary ed cohen powerlifter used to grab a newspaper in between sets and he would just sit yeah. there because <laughs> he would take five minutes or longer in between heavy sets Oh yeah, yeah. Mark, yeah. Mark, Mark likes seen to in his videos. He deserved that. Okay, he deserves yeah. five minutes or more. Oh but, yeah. But Mark was always someone you do heavy bench press, and then you don't necessarily immediately do something else. But in between those breaks, you do something else as opposed to just sitting there. So they had a, they had a different philosophy, and both of them are really strong. So obviously, different styles work. But yeah, and, and I'm somewhere in between, right? Like I'll do heavy deadlifts, then I'll do something that doesn't affect that lift at all such as maybe heavy incline presses in between so it's let's say heavy yeah. deadlifts 90 second break heavy incline press 90 second break so it's still about five minutes by the time you get back to the deadlift without just sitting around the whole time yes i mean sometimes i yeah. might throw in like some joint mobility you know in between that or i actually might just go ahead and mimic the lift while in, in between that set so therefore it doesn't just fade away yeah it won't just go away completely or whatever but just keep that neurological connection you know just sitting there yeah. just kind of going over that technique i started just playing make-believe like okay let me just lift the bar without lifting the bar and just make i want to reinforce good technique especially when on a heavy deadlift day and since i'm really getting back into you know barbell squats just really going over that mimic the movement mimic the movement so basically i'm using my body weight while i'm doing this at the same time still firing up the same neurological connections that i need to and then by the, by that time i'm you know i'm still moving so i'm not you know just sitting there doing nothing then I'm ready to go when it's time to go and lift again. But so, because one thing about me, I'll catch an ADD moment. I need to be doing something because otherwise I'll start doing things that don't matter. <laughs> you know, it's really throw me off. <laughs> you know, especially you know, I might start the changing the radio stations, then start getting pissed off when they're playing certain songs or whatever else. Then I'm like, you know what? Let me just hook up my 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 phone and listen to you know my playlist or whatever else. And then I can't find a song. Next thing I've lost ten minutes. <laughs> so it's like, come on, man. So yeah, I don't need those ADD moments, man. So that's why. I you end up in a, like a black hole on that. Yeah, I get you. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 interesting how like I've seen a lot of people. I mean, I get in conversations with a lot of guys at jujitsu who are asking me about you know like strength stuff, and I hear what they're doing. I'm like, wow, they really uh, you know, like one of the big things like you see these guys like strength and conditioning, which <laughs> you, yeah, it's like you don't need to do those. Like, let alone you're doing them in the same session is right. dangerous. Right. You know, it's like. You need to take these modules and work them separately. I mean, Ori, Ori Hoffmeckler has something called controlled fatigue training, right, where you purposely fatigue yourself before doing something intense. But that's a very advanced concept, right? and it's, and it's for a very specific purpose. And if, yeah. it's, if your goal is to lift the heaviest amount of weight in the safest manner possible, you're not going to apply that technique. 
No, not at all. Or mental toughness training. And in my opinion, it shouldn't, you shouldn't try to merge it with powerlifting. So there's no benefit of purposely fatiguing yourself before you go do heavy squats or heavy deadlift or heavy bench press. You can fatigue yourself maybe before you do heavy double kettlebell swings, you know, something like that, for example, yeah. something that makes sense within the context of a conditioning workout. Yeah. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's the whole thing when you get into conditioning. Conditioning is one animal, strength is another animal. Right. And, uh, right. You know, with our, with our Muay Thai guys, we you know, we make sure they they're not they don't do any all their lifting in uh with the Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu guys in in any kind of fight camp situation. It's basically maintenance lifting, and it's just stuff to keep the joints strong, so they have less of a chance of getting hurt. When you're dealing with combat athletes, you know they already have a chance of getting hurt. You don't right. need, you don't need to be part of that equation. Yeah. So you know, and uh, we've had some really good success. You know, one of our coaches she just had a fight couple weeks ago three round glory rules one time fight and she did it you know she won the decision i really thought she was going to knock the girl out in the second round because she kept ringing her bell but you know the whole plan paid off like we had we had her on like a like a three-month strength cycle before she took this fight camp she was strong as hell um and then after that we just pulled the strength back stick to the conditioning and stick to the skill training you know and uh you know, that's that's one of the things I'm really happy with our program here is that Yeah, when when we had Frank Shamrock on, we asked him about the controversy in martial arts, in particular MMA, about heavy weightlifting and whether it's productive or counterproductive for fighting skills. And he basically yeah. said, Look, if you know how to throw a punch, right, you have good technique already. And now you make that athlete a lot stronger. Oh, absolutely. Now you have more exactly. power with that technique. It's going to have a lot more impact. I mean, mm-hmm. strength and conditioning just comes down to this. You know, you know, you build strength and condition is just, okay, now what are you going to do with it? Right. <laughs> you know, right. put it, you know, right. put it now, put it to use, you know, mm-hmm. and how fast, how powerful can you use that strength? I mean, you got it. So it's just like someone that sits there, you know, you got all this money in the bank. Okay. Now what are you going to do with it? You're going to invest with it. Or, you know, it's just going to sit there doing nothing. You know, so that's all it is, man. Mm-hmm. And conditioning will help strength in the sense that you're more fit for your workouts. Yeah. You can do more sets with the same amount of weight. You don't have that drop-off point as early. Like, for example, if you want to do something such as German volume training, right, 10 sets to 10, you have to have a certain level of conditioning to last all 10 sets. Exactly. You have to have a certain level of strength to last all 10 sets. So it's a, you have to have both. And you're gonna, you'll develop both if you stick with that program long enough. And well, the common denominator is going to be you know, just your mental you know, strength you know, for having both. It's, it's a way to connect both those things. It's going to be the common denominator. So even when you're doing German volume training, you got to sit there and have a mindset like, you know what? I'm on set six, and this is already starting to suck. I can really stop right now because, I mean, what I've done 60 reps total here. You know, that's more than most people do in, in a week. So I can stop right now. But someone says, ah, go ahead and knock out that last four, man. So yeah. just, that, that's really when good. like visual cues help a lot in situations like that. Like, for yeah. example, if there's a good looking girl, just look at her posterior <laughs> chain in between sets. <laughs> in her underoos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just imagine her in some, uh, Wonder Woman underoos. And if you finish this workout, she does, she's going to go home with you, right? You have to use these mental techniques in your head. <laughs> you, know, you know you're going to see a lot of workout videos in I'm hoping Underoos listens to this episode and they say, hey, man, thanks a lot for the plug, guys. Love to sponsor you guys. Then we, uh, then we get to talk about Underoos every week. Exactly. To my, to my, you know what's great to lift in, Mike? Underoos. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I like to wear during my post-workout nap? Underoos. <laughs> Underoos. 
<laughs> I like to wear my Thor underoos because I like to feel like a Greek god. Somebody's a Norse god. Whatever. They're paying for the shots. <laughs> just knowing those underoos are on while you're working out under your gym clothes just, just makes you feel stronger. Yeah. You don't think Clark Kent felt the same way? No, like, little do you bitches know, I got a Superman suit on under here. Don't, don't even. It's like for those of you taking aggressive strength, you know your balls are literally going to get bigger. So the underoos gives you a little bit of, <laughs> bit of breathing room. You know? <laughs> oh, man. Come on, underoos. This is some good stuff here. <laughs> God, you guys should be paying for this kind of uh, exposure. <laughs> oh, man. So Gavin, what do you what do you do to stay in shape when you're on the road with Burn? Um, I actually I bring a set I'll bring a set of kettlebells with me. I'll bring a jump rope with me, and I'll bring a pair of uh, neutral running shoes. Just you know, like okay. flat as possible running shoes. Uh, I love to me sprints. If I can find, I was real lucky on the last U.S. tour because it seemed like every hotel we stayed near, we stayed at had like a football field or a soccer pitch, oh, which nice. like with with really good, you know, like, like, you know, I'll sprint wherever I can, but if I can get on AstroTurf, it's a blast. Yeah. So it's, yeah. you know, um, sprints are kind of the mainstay, and you can always kind of find, uh, you know, like, there's always, like, a playground. You can do the Zach Evanich, stock the playground and find a pull-up bar. You know, there's always push-ups. There's always great modifications to push-ups. Um, I try to find places to work on my handstands, which suck really bad. Uh, but... <laughs> That's something that I'm trying, you know, as a big guy, as a big, not hypermobile guy, it's something that I want to work on because, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not supposed to be able to do that. So, fuck you. I'm going to try to do that. Yeah, our, our, um, our friend Kim Blackburn's a good example of a guy who's, who's very mobile and has worked up to hands. I don't know if he does handstand push-ups, but he can definitely do handstands. Well, hell, he, 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 he can drop down to a split like freaking James Brown, and it's like nothing for him, so... <laughs> That, that, well, that, that's because of the surgery he had, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's, I mean, there's, there's, also, there's all sorts of ways to get creative on the road with training. Um, you know, I, I know that I know that Billy Billy and Danny from Biohazard, they yeah. travel to yeah. jiu-jitsu mats. Yeah, right, right. Um, yeah, so does the guy from Trivium, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the guy from Trivium travels Lee with jiu-jitsu mats, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's like, yeah, I mean, there's always ways to get creative about it. I mean, I brought agility ladders out with me, um, hoops, different stuff. I think, Plus, I think sprinting also, is a good one, though, right? Because that, you, you, what, can always, you can always find a, a space to go sprinting. No matter what, exactly. even if you have stairs. Even if you just have stairs at a hotel and just right. and, that, man, yeah, you can sprint up those bad boys. Sprinting is one of the best full-body fast-twitch exercises you can do. It makes you feel great, too. You oh feel like a million God. bucks. That's a good carryover in real life, because you never know. That's when you can really apply the real deal stuff right there, man. So, you never know yeah, when you may I, need to real run functional training. away from something. <laughs> yeah. well, I always tell people the first, the first forms of real human martial arts were sprinting and climbing. Yeah. You know, because we right. weren't always apex. You know, cats, cats were much bigger than us at a time. Yeah. And uh, so... You know, we had to be very fast and very agile. So, yeah, sprinting. I always tell people, and we work a lot of, a lot of our clients and our members on being able to, like, you know, especially when the weather gets good. It's like, hey, get outside. Get some sunlight. There's something about going outside and doing sprints. Like, we have, yeah. we have, we have great treadmills here. We've got woodways, and I love them. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, man, I love going down to, like, a local baseball field near the gym and just hitting, you know, hitting, like, 10 short, like, eight to 12 second sprints, you know, 
and just walk it down. Well, it's just, so it's just visually down. pleasing too, and that also helps with performance, especially here in Vegas where it's blue skies every day. So you're getting, you're seeing blue skies. You're in the, at least the field I go to. There's actually trees yeah. there and green grass. Yeah, so, exactly. So, so it's it's, it's visually yeah. pleasing. That's that's an important thing. I think it's really it is really important. Oh, it's better those, outside yeah. or no. It's better than those sterile white walls in a gym, man. You know, that seems so much like prison. It's just so much like prison, man. So Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, I love our facility and our facility is really laid back. We got a great vibe here, but if I can get outside and go do sprints, man, that's one of the best things ever. Um, you know, I, I, like, I, I like something like an elliptical trainer for, let's say, new trainees that are overweight, right? So they they can't well, run yet because less impact on the knees, yeah, right? Exactly. And, and or, they can just they can just put on some good music and then just cruise for twenty thirty minutes. Yeah, even like us, yeah. we have like Jacob's Ladder, which is even you know less impact, you know, on, on their knees. But you know, it's, yeah. it's building a strong core, and you know, <laughs> think about it while they're doing it, they're not really thinking about the, their heart rate really getting up until they stop. Once they get off that thing, they're like. Whoa, what's what is this okay? Am I okay? Why is my heart beating like this? I was like, Oh, it's, yeah. you're gonna be fine. In in two minutes you're gonna get back on and do it again. And you know, but they tend to love it because now they can actually do something that's quote unquote cardio that doesn't have them all busted up at the end. Their knees are feeling like all jacked up because let's say, you know, you're just getting started, you're three hundred plus pounds. The last thing you need to do is sprint. Okay, and, be on, and put on no, some, and put on some five rooms and then go hit a football field and try to run. No, you know what? Sincere, thank you, man. Thank you. Because there's a lot of Adam, – Adam Blake and I had a conversation about a client that he's working with. And you know, he's like, well, you know, i got to be really cautious about – I said, yeah. I said, you got to get this guy. Be safe about it and you know, be cautious about this. But these are the people that need movement. These are the people that you want to, in a year or so, able to go out and do you – know, do like – a thirty-yard sprint at their at their their sprint speed. And that's not my sprint That's what a sprint speed. is. As fast as you can go. Exactly. <laughs> to my, thank you. You know, not Tyson thank Gay you. or anyone like them. I'm talking about you. Yeah. Alice Felix. Thank you so much for saying that because a lot of young coaches think like, oh, I'm going to take this person out and I'm going to fucking turn them out, and they end up hurting them. And like, and it's like you know the best of intentions, but it's just. You know, it's well, it's like much. you said earlier, Gavin. The, the the goal of a lot of people is fatigue when it comes to training, and that's a big yeah. mistake. You can do, you yeah. Can, you can just hold your breath for a while and be fatigued. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, so the goal it doesn't tell you anything about the effectiveness of a workout. Just measuring fatigue. Yeah, no, it's true. And there's a lot of coaches out there that are really pointing to that now. I mean, Joel Jameson's got some great stuff on it. Yeah, I, it I like I like a lot of his heart rate variability stuff. Um, and there's just I'm seeing some really really smart stuff from a lot of coaches, especially guys on the East Coast, because you know we're, we've got a, a there's a big CrossFit community here, but I'm seeing a lot of strength coaches now that are working with young wrestlers and young football players, and these kids are all lifting with trap bars and with neutral grip bars for bench press, and it's basically I like the idea of like we're going to take those joints and we're going to keep them safe because these kids are in high you know high impact sports already, right? So. You know, and I'm I'm a big proponent of the trap bar. I teach all of our beginning clients how to deadlift on the trap bar. I like I like the learn shorter learning curve on it. Um, I think it's as effective. Gradually, they'll grow into a straight bar deadlift if they want that. But you know, and again, they grow into it. Like yeah, I, I like the trap I'm a trap bar, bar fan. I mean, you, you see the yeah. post videos all the time with it. You know, it's one of my. I'm favorites. not I'm not a fan of it though in terms of improving barbell deadlift because no, it's it's it's, 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 oh, it's no. a very honed skill set. Yeah. In other words, like Philippi, Mark Philippi talked about how there were guys who could do trap bar deadlifts with 800 pounds who couldn't pull 600 oh, at yeah. a lot of these strongman events. 
So it's it's a totally it's a different skill set. But but for the average person though, it's great because they could care less about having a heavy deadlift and all that. That's not what they're training for. Yeah, and it's a, just, it's a very safe it's a very safe way to have them do a similar exercise to a deadlift. It, it's it's yeah. a good in between you know between barbell squats and and that barbell deadlift. It's really hone in technique and because a lot of people don't know how to push their hips back. No matter how many times you tell them, okay, you know, grab the bar, put your hips back. They're just kind of looking at you like and they think they're doing it. And, you know, and they're also still lifting with their backs and all this other stuff. So that trap bar yeah. can help erase a lot of those bad habits before they move on to either barbell deadlifts, um, barbell deadlifts or barbell squats, you know, and really start getting down the main things they need to learn how to do in order to make both those lifts successful. So it's, it's a yeah. good, it's a good transition, you know, tool to have between both of those things. And then you can start working on other things without confusing the hell out of them when you say that or in their minds, like, I'm doing that. And a lot of times I'll record a client like, nah, let's check the tape. See that? You didn't do that. That's your back. That isn't, those are yeah. not your hips. Okay. Those are your back trying to lift yeah. that bar right there. What, what I do find is there's way more carryover of barbell deadlift to trap than the other way around. Because with the barbell yeah. deadlift, if you pull the bar, I mean, the goal is really to pull the bar into your center of mass as much as possible. And you don't have to do that with the trap bar because it's already there. So if you develop that skill set with the barbell, you're automatically you're already in the right position when you go do trap bar. So mm-hmm. you can you can do you can get better at trap bar without doing it, just doing barbell deadlift to a certain extent. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, everything is skill related. The more precise, the better. But there's yeah. definitely more carryover. Just like there's more carryover with overhead press to bench press and the other way around. It doesn't mean that you're going to be an elite bench presser, though, just doing overhead presses. But there's definitely more carry. I mean, I knew guys who could bench press 405 who couldn't overhead press 135. They just never worked on it. But if, if you can if you can overhead press 225, 250, then you should definitely be able to do 300 or so on the bench press without working on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's true, yeah. Um, it's Yeah, it's and like I said – I'm a big fan of keeping keeping my people safe. Right. You know, yeah, right. I want, you know, I don't, and I think it's a lot of because we do work with combat, you know, our athletic uh, clientele are jujitsu and Muay Thai. And then even our people who are just hobby sport, you know, they've got tennis, they've got this. They don't need to be, you know, I'm not worried about them doing Well, I mean, like, the other benefit of trap bar is the neutral, neutral grip, as you said. You know, oh, yeah, absolutely. The barbell deadlift, you have to do, most of us are going to do an alternating grip. And that can be problematic for people that yeah. are doing a lot of other skill sets. I mean, I've, I've been kind of happy though because I, I am, I, you know, I love the, I love a straight bar deadlift, and I'll have like a female client come up and be like, I want to try to learn to deadlift on that, and that, that kind of to me is like, yeah, you like it, you, you get this, this is cool, you know. Um, when they do do that graduation, really from the, from the, from the trap bar to the straight bar, they, you start to see things light up a little bit, which is interesting. Um, especially like, like you said, the carryover, like they'll, they'll start to see like, oh, wow, I can't lift as much as I did with the trap bar, but the training effect is markedly different. Right. You know? Right. I mean, so, the mecha- I, mean, I mean, the mechanics are essentially the same. It's just that you have to get used to pulling that bar into your shins and, and how that feels. feels so there's yeah. certain things that if you're not used to it, it's going to feel awkward. No, Absolutely. And tra- um, trap bar feels awkward too if you haven't done it in a long time and you're only doing barbell deadlifts and then you go try to do trap bar. You're like, wow, this feels different. Yeah, I've been doing, I've been on a, I've been on a five three one program for about the past six six months and it's all straight bar. Yeah, um, that's a great. You know, yeah, how's that? How's that? How's that working for you? I I always like it. I always, I mean, I I love his the whole theory on it. Working, I'm working sub maximally. 
I'm allowing myself to not be impatient about shit, just grow into the lift. Are you doing? A lot, are you building a lot of reps on the, especially the first few workouts in the beginning of the curve? Or do you find that you rep out quite a bit? No, no. With a five, with a five three one, it's just, I mean, you know, basically hitting the first week on the fives. My on on like, my like on the first week, week, it's five plus, right? Are you going way beyond five, or are you using a weight that allows you to tap out no, around five? I'm using a, I'm using a weight a weight that keeps me at five. Okay. I, I can I do, do again. I'll pull the car to myself. Just from coming from a sports background, I'll myself. I'll one more rep, one more rep. I like a shoulder issue, I have that. So I like keeping it very, very, you know. I on my last on, on the one week, my last set, I'll do one AM rep, which basically I'll be hitting Sometimes between six to eight reps, right? Which is good, and I'm happy with that. And I have to, you know, again, not be like, "Well, I'm hitting that many reps. Maybe I should redo my math." And no, just let the program be what the program is. Right. I'm, you know, I'm making gains on it. Plus, I mean, also on top of that, well, well that's I'm the other mistake up- people make with five three one is their first week on the five plus they hit ten reps and they're going, "Okay, this is too easy. Let me recalculate everything for week two. And that's mm-hmm. a huge mistake. And then by week three, they're missing reps. So yeah. it's like, that's great that the first week was so easy that you hit yeah. 10 reps. Let, let yourself go way beyond those parameters. It, it'll it'll yeah. get more and difficult it, eventually. Don't worry. Yeah, it's, and it's hit that point where it's getting difficult. But I'm also still on top of that. I'm doing jiu-jitsu three days a week. I still do some pad work with my coaches. So, I mean, I'm fairly active. So it's like I have to really watch myself because, right. you know, I get – I get to do this. This is fucking awesome. You know, I get the fucking, you know, I have a great facility. I have great coaches I can train with. I have awesome friends in this industry. So I get to do this on a daily basis. But also at 48 years old, I have to watch out that I don't freaking overtrain and end up having end up having to like, you know, just cover myself in Epsom salts and fucking, yeah. you know, like, well, it's like Dana you know, White said, he goes, my goal this year is not to get injured at all. You know, that when people ask him about his fitness goals, and, you know, yeah. well, that's an important component of achieving your fitness goals. If you get injured, it's, it's yeah. going to hamper the process a it's great gonna, deal. Yeah, it's going to hamper everything. And I, I, I'm one of those jackasses who will, you know, be like, oh, you know, I'll do, I'll do mitt work in the morning and then maybe mid-afternoon I'll go do some sprints. And like, oh, well, I mean, I'm close enough to the gym. It's 9 o'clock. Maybe I'll hit some deadlifts. Well, it, it pays to have good access to a, a really good body worker, massage therapist, oh, rib, whatever you want to call it. Because the lady yeah. I go to, man, she's and not only is she really close to the house, but she's she's often available quickly when I need her. Because the other day I, I just fucked up my right shoulder and I could I couldn't front raise my hand above eye level without just sharp pains just shooting up. And I was wow. like, man, this is not going to just get – if I wait for this just to get better on its own, it's going to be a while. It's, it could take weeks for something like that to get better on its own. But I went to her, and she was able to work the rhomboid. She worked the shoulder, and it was really painful at the trigger pointing she did. But literally right after I left that session, I was able to raise my arm above eye level without any pain. And there was there was like a little bit of residual pain. So it was about maybe a 75% improvement yesterday. Today, it's – getting close to 100% improvement. I was like, wow, this is awesome, man. Yesterday, I could barely grab something out of the cabinet without yeah. it hurting that shoulder, and today it's gone, and it's because of her. Like, if I didn't have access to her for that, I'd be dealing with this all week. 
the yeah. overdosing on Restorazyme right about now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, do- I'm doing that anyway. As a, as a, taking 10 caps three times a day as an additional precautionary measure. I got I to I send in for a re-up on that stuff with you guys too. Um, but, you know, the body work is important. I mean, I'm a big fan of acupuncture as well. So, hmm. yeah, I mean, they're both like how, – How often do you do that? Um, I will go for – I'll do like a six-week series like – once a week for like six, six to eight weeks to, if I have a particular problem. Yeah. And then once that gets weaned out, usually like once every three weeks, once every month. Um, what's the, what's the theory behind it? You're bringing more circulation to the injured area or how, how, what's the mechanism? Bringing more circulation and also breaking up, breaking up blocks within like certain energy lines. Okay. Um, it's kind of like, like you, have you ever had shiatsu? Massage. Yeah, it's, yeah, I'm pretty it's, sure it's, I have. It's yeah. it's a it's along the same theories of, of shiatsu of being able to break up certain certain blockages within energy lines of the body, and uh, I've had really good results from it. So that and also like you said, the soft tissue manipulation massage really important. So, yeah, and were you doing the were you doing it once a week, twice a week? How often were you doing? Uh, with with massage, like I would. It, it, when I was competing in jiu-jitsu, I was trying to get in like once a week. Um, now I'll go in like maybe once every three weeks. Um, if I'm feeling really, really shot, I'll do like once every two weeks. What about the acupuncture? Was that once a week? If I have a particular problem, yeah, once a week. Um, if I don't, if, if I'm just going in for maintenance, it's once a month. Right. You know, but I had, uh, I, I also had a shoulder issue that I, I, finally got it kind of like banged out and you know worked on did my you know did my own movement stuff on that and then also the the soft tissue manipulation because it's just like shortened pec minor so that shoulder's pulling a bit forward I'll, i'll have these weird lingering injuries and then all of a sudden they just go like i had this one back issue where every time i was i would do heavy squats or deadlifts whenever i hold on one second i got someone at the door yeah, it's just funny. I had the same thing going on, man, especially like with my right shoulder a couple of weeks ago. And it was pretty much about two by three years ago, that shoulder pretty much just given out. And I think a lot of that was overused from kettlebell sport training. Right. And, right. You know, and then eventually got it fixed after I started going to a chiropractor and getting adjusted like pretty much. He was working on me weekly. And then because basically it wasn't the shoulder. It was stuff that was going on, you know, in my rhomboids, you know, and, and things going on, you know, below my my lats and Almost like right by the rib cage, you know, it was like a bruise right inside there, and he found it. Or whatever. Then it really, yeah, it got to the point where I couldn't even raise my arm, even just to like put deodorant on. I was like, okay, this sucks. <laughs> okay, oh, so man. basically, I had to like just kind of move my elbow out and then just stick the deodorant under there. <laughs> it was like the worst thing. But sleeping sucked the most. It's funny because the one guy Cody on this season of the Ultimate Fighter, he was having the same issues, I believe, because. I was I was watching him curl up like pretty much he had to lie on one side and it was the only way the pain went away. I was like, yeah, I know oh, exactly what he's dealing with right now. And like none of the oh. doctors could really tell what was going on. And I was like, yeah, I know what's going on, dude. And then I think one of the doctors finally told him it was something. It was a bruise that was going on right, you know, behind the ribs, just slightly um, 
close to the last. I said, yep, I knew it. Just from the fact, just the thing, all the complications he was having, I had the same thing. And I remember telling Mike about that on the show, you know, a couple, about a year or so ago about that. Yeah. And had to get that fixed. But to the point, like, I cannot even sleep certain ways, man. Like, I didn't want to sleep on my, on my stomach. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I am so against sleeping on my stomach. It's like, <laughs> to me, it's like the equivalent of adults getting SIDS. You, you've, like, <laughs> you've watched one too many episodes of Oz to find yeah. out. This is <laughs> well, well, so, so I'm not worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean that's just like there's so much so much to be said for pain-free ranges of motion. Oh yeah. And uh I think you know it's we don't realize it like when we're young I mean, when we're young in our training we get very much into like okay well you know there's going to be like we get the, the no pain no gain theory exactly. of things. Just fight through it. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, fight through it. This should be and, pain no gain. <laughs> yeah. And uh it was uh you know, it took me a long time because, you know, again, coming from a combat sports background where it just becomes part of every day. It's like, OK, I'm in pain, but that's what life is. That's just how you deal with it. And then when I started going regularly to massage therapy and, and the acupuncture, I started like, wow, hold it. This doesn't hurt. Oh, this is what this is what kind of normal people feel like. <laughs> OK, <laughs> you know, and uh, it's it, it, you realize how important that is, especially in coaching, because. I think a lot of coaches get too used to the idea of like, well, you have to live with this pain. And no, no one has to live with that kind of pain. Right. We should be strong. We well, should be well the problem also people have is they, they don't go get a recovery massage when they're feeling good. They go get it when they're in excruciating pain. Exactly. At that point, the problem has manifested for a long time to the point where you feel it to such an extreme degree. If you did it several steps before that, it never would have gotten to that point. It's kind of like car maintenance, right? Most people most people wait for something to break down. Then they go to the shop and try to get it fixed as opposed to Absolutely. doing maintenance work so that you avoid. You know, check your air every other time you get your gas filled so you avoid getting a flat tire it's, rather yeah, than just waiting for the tire to go It's a lot cheaper to put 25 cents in that machine and put some air in your tire <laughs> yeah. than have to sit there and buy a full set of tires. Because once you go and take one tire, it's like, oh, you know what? These other tires got wear in it too. So you, <laughs> yeah. it's probably smart you get all four replaced. Well, guess that's about a good thousand dollars right there. Like, yeah, for you it's smart. That's I mean, as in the merchant, not, exactly. <laughs> not you, the consumer. <laughs> no, but yeah. I, I had that. I had this weird issue with my back where on heavy deadlifts and squats, it wouldn't hurt while I did it. But whenever I would park the weight on deadlifts and stand up, I would just lock up. Or whenever I would park the weight on squats and then walk away, I would just lock up. And I was like, man, wow. that's a weird problem. And then it would go away after a couple of days, and then I would work out again, same problem. So like Sincere said, I, I started going to a chiropractor once a week, got adjusted, really good one around the corner from here. I made sure to stay on top of the massages, and that improved gradually. And then all of a sudden, it just went away. Like it's gone now. It's like it never happens anymore. And I had this weird stomach pain too, which I thought might have been from sprinting, like lower abs. Like every time I would sprint, it would just make it worse. And that just lingered on for a while too. And then all of a sudden, I noticed like a few days ago, I was like, hey, it's gone. Yeah, I've had it. it just feels like somebody's just been hitting you in the stomach with a baseball bat. Like, just, wow. And, you know, it's, it's, it reminded me of Muay Thai where you just sit there and, you know, hey, I'm going to let you just hit me in the stomach with the stick while I have my arms up, you know, behind my back in a prisoner squat, like, you know, position you know, with my fingers locked behind my head. And you just have somebody just whacking you on the stomach. Well, that's what it reminded me of. But for some reason, it didn't feel like that when I was doing Muay Thai. 
<laughs> you know, yeah. I was like, what is this pain? And I mean, I was like, damn, do I need to have my appendix removed? I'm like too old for this shit, man, to get an appendix well, removed. Well, well, that's the weird thing. It's like I would have this stomach pain, but it didn't. I didn't feel it at all during heavy deadlifts, heavy squats, things that you know, would it's think, just sitting there and you're like, Ugh. yeah. <laughs> but during, but I couldn't sprint. Like I, like now I'm going to start sprinting again. But all of last month, I couldn't go sprinting because mm. it would just make it worse. But it wouldn't become worse doing heavy deadlifts or heavy squats. It was the weirdest thing. It's funny because somebody would listen like, yeah, it sucks getting old. Like, no, nah, actually, gets, it, it's get, it's interesting getting older because you start discovering things like, what is this about? You know what, man? I had, injuries, I had injuries just like this when I was in my 20s. So that's all. I just ignored them when I was younger. Yeah, well, I mean, there were times I would do heavy deadlifts when I was 25 and my back would lock up for a week. So it's not like I never got injured right. in my early 20s. No, no, it's true. But again, also, like people, they don't get into and I think it, it's and this might be a plug towards your products, but they also don't, they don't do a good recovery regime. You know, they don't like, like the magnesium oil. Cause I get people all the time. Oh, I don't have time to do an Epsom salts bath. Then get some magnesium oil. You know, like, well, I don't have time to, I don't have time to rub that on. <laughs> yeah, so, so are you walking around <laughs> ashy right now? You don't have time to put lotion on your body. Come on, man. It's like exactly. Same session. Just go ahead and knock the, it out. <laughs> the, 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 the Mahler's recovery oil is something I keep on hand at the house all the time because it's one of those things. And also the recovery enzymes. Really, really smart stuff. If you want to train hard, you have to recover as aggressively as you're training. Yeah, and also like people listening go, oh, it sucks to get older. It's like, no, it, it sucks to get a lot stronger because that's where yeah. you become a little bit more. It's not so much age that's causing these little issues in there. It's the fact that you're lifting a lot more than you're. Exactly. I'm lifting a lot more now than I did when I was 28, and I was oh, pretty yeah. strong at 28. So that's the other factor as well. And then there's training age. You know, How many years have you been working out? Yeah. And how many well, the- years did you not do it correctly in terms of taking charge of recovery and restoration and all that that you're paying for now? What what sucks is when you get old and you don't get wise. That <laughs> yeah. sucks. Then you're just old and stupid. With, you know, that's with, the thing about what sucks is getting old. I said, and stupid. Okay, so <laughs> just go ahead and finish the sentence. With, with, I always with, found that depressing as a kid where I would <laughs> – because as a kid, you would look at adults like, wow, you know, these people really know what they're doing. They've got together. And then you became an adult and you would see the same people and you're like, oh, wow, those people never knew jack shit. Did they? <laughs> exactly. All that time I thought they knew what they were doing. They don't know jack about it. <laughs> well, again, it's wisdom comes with age. Don't let age come alone. <laughs> you know, it's uh, you know, it's yeah. It's nothing, nothing ever works out well when it comes alone, man. It's just, it's just, it's, it's just yeah. not good. We're not designed that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got, you need to learn. If you're making mistakes, then motherfucking learn from them. Right, exactly. That's what right. they're for, you know. Yeah, yeah and, that, that, and, and that way, mistakes are just lessons. If you actually learn something. Yeah, and people them. ask me exactly. all the time. They talk about like, well, how did you learn this? I'm like, well, I hurt myself doing that. Well, you yes, know, that's how it's I like a baby. That. It's like how did they yeah. learn how to walk? They bust their ass a few times, and they realize, you know what? This whole busting ass thing is not fun. Okay, so yeah, I'm gonna yeah. learn how to freaking walk. Give me that table. Let me just stand here for a minute, get my stuff together, and I'm gonna try yeah, this well, again. It's mistakes of the learning variety, and they all are that. And yeah, there, there's never a cutoff point with the baby learning exactly. to walk. Like, well, look, if he doesn't learn to walk by this point, then let's just give up. All right, get a wheelchair. Exactly. <laughs> this is like, you know what? I tried walking once. I'm gonna try, but you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back on my walking regimen on January first. That's, that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. Exactly. That's my New Year's resolution. He's like six years old. I'm gonna learn to walk on January first this year. Damn it. That, that's, <laughs> that's really the mentality people should have with goals that are important yeah. to them. Like the way a baby is gonna learn how to walk no matter what you should achieve that goal no matter what you figure out a way yeah here's here's a good here's a good old old man story for you old man john hines had anybody seen that latest video of him 
pushing the car on a, out, of, out of a handstand with his feet? No, but I saw him doing some kettlebell snatches where it looked like he blew out both rotator cuffs. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Really? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just messing with John. He's a friend of ours. Yeah, I know did. that. But what's, yeah, this, what's this new clip? He, he, did a, he did a clip of him in a handstand position pushing a car with his feet. Okay, I'm trying to visualize that. I'm seeing it. <laughs> I'm visualizing it. It looks crazy. Because I, I see him kind of doing that, you know, that that yoga way of doing handstand against the wall where their, their backs are curved. And, you know, yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm sure that's what I see. But I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, that dude's got some, some hard ass palms. Okay. Because he's pushing is, off his palms is, in order yeah, to make this exactly. car happen. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which and means he's got like, some I, very flexible freaking forearms, too. <laughs> so at the same time. I, I, was, I was like, I can't play. And he did it. I was like, wow, that's some, I mean, and John's, John's our age. John's, John's an older athlete. That's John, why John like, is way older than No, me. I was like, John's your. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and that, John, John and is like 52, all right? I'm 42. So yeah, I remember when John went up the steps for his birthday. I think, what was his 44th birthday? And that video's been up for a long time. And you know what? If that's, I remember when I was in elementary school and John was an adult working so hard. <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of like Morgan what, Freeman, like, dude, you've been old school. I've known you, man. It's like, <laughs> if that's what age can bring you, then, bring you, then great. Bring it. Well, well, John's uh, yeah. system. John has such a smart system. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. System. yeah, it's 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 no, the monkey bar system is it's brilliant. really mastering your body yeah. weight and mobility and movement. All of those things are incorporated so well in his system. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's brilliant. Him and Jess Rucker. Both we, we just need to, we just need to donate some barbells to his gym so that they don't have to do. So stop putting kettlebells on broomsticks, man. <laughs> with, Come with on. Pipe, Come with on. Pipe, We're not in yeah. a village in Kenya, man. We can do better. Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I know what to get John for Christmas. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna send you, uh, and we're busting his balls because he's a friend of ours. So trust me, I'm gonna send you a, a technological <laughs> oh, element known as a barbell. <laughs> Plates run around. You're gonna have I to love, go buy those. I love Tony. He is out. He is. He is. He is totally out outside of the box, and I love him. And he's a dear. I mean, I know he's a dear friend of yours too. Well, he's he's and, a one of a kind. His like, training system yeah. is one of a kind. There's no one doing what he's doing. It's like I said this the last time, and it's like I'm absolutely, and I'm sure I'm going to get a bunch of hate mail for this, but hey, it's great. It's better to get hate mail than no mail. Um, I have no idea why people know who the fuck Glassman is, but they don't know who John Hines is. I'm absolutely. One one word, marketing. Marketing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, marketing and honesty. Because let me tell you, you, know? you said, okay, we're going to have Glassman and Hines together in one room. And then you, all these people have heard of Glassman, but you put both those guys in a room, people are probably going to pick John Hines to be Glassman. I was like, oh, he looks like him. I mean, yeah. John, John never marketed himself like a jackoff either, right? Yeah. Like, you know, there was never this oh. over the top marketing copy that went with the monkey bar system. His was always based on was, producing was real results and letting word of mouth take care of the rest. And that's and it's allowed him to build a very successful business. Like he and I had a conversation about how Lifeline could have been his father's company could have been a lot bigger with a stronger marketing campaign because they never had a strong marketing component. They developed really good products, and I yeah. think their their inclination was let's hope that's enough to build a successful company. And to a certain extent, it was. But you still need to know how to market yourself. You still need to know how to get your <clears> message <throat> out there. Yeah. No, it's true. And I mean, I love John. John's been like a mentor to me in a lot of ways. Like I've learned a lot from him. Um, and I just, you know, it's like, I like, I, I love the guy. And I just think, like I said, if that's what age can bring us, then bring a John. Well, you know, Steve Maxwell's another example of someone who's uh, love, a- yeah. aging really well. Yep. Yeah. It's yeah. It's and you know, it's 
I mean, we'll get we'll we'll give him a pass on the astrology stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not too, I'm not too. I haven't been privy to that stuff. I might have to avoid some of that. Yeah, you have to check um, out the episode with Rogan, man. It's kind of like, um, huh? <laughs> Even Rogan was kind of like, what? Wait, well, well, what? Well, he, he was stronger than that. He was yeah, like, this is fucking bullshit, Steve. He's like, Come what are on, you man, doing? You're a guy, man. This is bullshit, Steve. <laughs> we'll get we'll get Steve back in the show. Yeah. <laughs> talk about some of that stuff. We have to talk about that. <laughs> Oh god! So listen, guys, I gotta get rolling. I gotta actually. I'm running off to rehearsal now. Cool. Um, cool. It was awesome getting with you guys again. I look forward to the next time. And uh, dude, if we're in Vegas, you gotta come. Yeah, man, I'd love to see. I mean, I'd love to check you out even somewhere outside of Vegas. California, yeah, and actually, oh, uh, sincere, you're 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 down you're down in Houston, right? Yep. We're supposed to be through there possibly with Madball in the next couple months. So oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I will let you, I will let you know. Oh yeah, hit me up. Oh, sure. most definitely. One so last thing, man. UFC 200 predictions. Cormier Jones. Which which one you got? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, everyone loves the Cinderella story, but I think Cormier's put in like some real hard work. Um, I kind of think Cormier, Cormier, because everyone else is going to go with Jones. Yeah. What about <laughs> Aldo versus Frankie Edgar? Yeah. Oh, that's a tough one. That is a real tough one because I, I I have an affinity for both of them because they're both really hard workers. Um, I've been lucky enough to go, like, I've been at training at Gracie's when Frankie's been there and watch him train. He's such a nice guy. Um, wow, that's tough. Oh, uh, I kind of think Aldo, but I kind of want Yeah, Edgar, Edgar, Edgar's the betting favorite right now. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's he's the, big... Aldo's the slight underdog. They're both negative, which is kind of weird. One's negative yeah. 125, one's negative 105. Why isn't someone positive? I know, it doesn't <laughs> make any sense. Yeah. I'm looking at that, I was like, why are they both negative? He's handling this stuff. To my... Yeah. Cain Velasquez, Travis Brown, that? man. Travis Brown and who? Cain Velasquez. Velasquez. <laughs> oh, Cain Velasquez. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you didn't even realize that was on the card. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, well, that, that, that card is so stacked that Kane and yeah. Travis are kind of being left out of the, the conversation. Ooh, I'm gonna go. I think I think Kane Velasquez. I yeah. really do. That's I pretty safe. Then. What about Lesnar yeah. and Hunt? Yeah. Hunt. Yeah. <laughs> okay, there's no hesitation Hunt's on fight. that one. Hunt's a now, fight. hold on. What if there's a Cinderella story and then Brock <laughs> knocks him out? No, I, I don't know. Know what it is. I, I just think Hunt has been in the game, the real game, for so long, you know. And I really, I just, I have a lot of faith in that. The, the X factor there is I don't know if Hunt can stuff Lesnar's takedowns. Exactly. But at the same time, yeah. I don't know if Lesnar's going to be reluctant to take him down because he has to get in close where he may get exactly hit. Exactly. So it just depends hit. on the mentality. Yeah. Or Hunt just one to the body. Does Lesnar start having you know a little? PTSD, you know. Oh, yeah, from his, you know Hunt's gonna go for that. Man. You know it. I mean, I would. <laughs> Who would? <laughs> okay. Well, the thing also about that is that Lesnar hunts hunts gone distances. Lesnar never really has. So if oh, it goes, oh, yeah. Hunt's, through, I, if I it love goes, Hunt, man. I, yeah, if it goes, I, I have his new book on the way, Born to Fight. I can't wait to read that. He's uh, he's adopted a vegan diet recently yeah. for for animal yeah. cruelty reasons. Yeah, so he's he's a really interesting cat. Yeah. Um, right. yeah Ladies, done, Misha Tate, Amanda Nunes. Tate, I, I like Tate in that one. I think we can see a good ground game, you know, between the two of them. Yeah, yeah, they'll yeah, make it very interesting. Something we don't really get to see a lot of with the ladies, as far as at yeah. this level. You know, that's that's what makes that fight fun to watch, right there. Tate yeah. has a stronger posterior chain, so I think that's an X factor that I haven't seen too many people talk about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Posterior chain took over Holly's posterior chain, so that's. (laughs) He's also got a little more a little more water in the sand as far as fight experience. I think. Yeah, you know, so I think that's going to and going the distance. Yeah, exactly. She's a. I think there's I think there's some potential upsets. That's not going to be one of them, I don't think. But I think there's some potential upset. I think I, I, I really want John. Jo- I really want John Jones to win. But I'm kind of leaning with you, Gavin. And, and one as a, as a guy who likes to bet on this stuff because Cormier is a is a very high level underdog, and that makes yeah. me, and he shouldn't be as big of an underdog as he is. The betting spread is is off, and whenever whenever something is like that, that makes it compelling to bet on. I think he's a plus three hundred or something like that. Wow, which is ridiculous! Wow. I, I would say plus one hundred would make more sense, but plus three hundred make it sound like he's been out as long as you know as um, Kane's <laughs> yeah. been out or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, well, if you look, is... if you look at the last fight, that wasn't a plus three hundred performance. I mean, no. it was a lot closer not, than that. Not, yeah. So wow. what I hope for is just like I actually I'm split between do I want, want to see a good knockout, you know, like by round three or do I want to see them just go just beat the hell out of each other for five rounds, <laughs> you know, just just to get it out and get it over with and just move on with their lives. Man. I would say I, think, I, I would love to see a five round battle and John wins decisively. Just yeah. I think that would just be cool. But as as someone who's have... betting, <laughs> it's hard not to be it's hard, it's hard not to find the spread appealing for betting on Cormier. Yeah. Yeah, I would like to see like a really highly skilled fight um, that would go the distance. I love the good back and forthers. Yeah. Um, but right. you know, those are few and far between. So. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, even the undercard yeah. is going to be fun to watch, man. You got Joe Lozon and and Diego. I mean, that, wow. that's a great. That's yeah. great. That's a- even <laughs> even the cards the couple days the night before you got Alvarez and Rafael Desanos. That he's fighting. Yeah. That's going to be a great fight. I think Raphael has they're, that one. You got you got Joanna versus Claudia. That's another. I'm going one for Claudia, man. Me, me too. Me too. You know, I'm, and, and I, because the last fight was so close. Yeah. There's a couple factors. The last fight was so close. The way Joanna carried herself on the show, I only saw one episode, but that was enough. It didn't get any and better. They, it didn't get any and then, better. And then, the and then Claudia, yeah, and then Claudia is is a, actually a more well-rounded martial artist. Yes. The things that jo- Joanna does, she does way better than Claudia at the striking. Yeah, and she has good takedown defense. But Claudia took her down seven times in that last fight. And I and I feel like Claudia is a stronger fighter out of those two as well. So it'll be, it'll be interesting, but yeah, I'm, I'm she has, she has greater separation between her quads and hamstrings as well. So I think that's, another <laughs> we can't, we can't, we can't just count that. Come on. Wait a minute. We'll keep it going. When's the, the new burn album is going to be on death wish. The new, new, new burn album is going to be on death, Wish. we're going into recording November 1st. Awesome label. Awesome guys. Uh, and then Kurt, yeah, who, Kurt, who's produced Nails and uh, Nails, so many bands, uh, so Trap, many that, Trap Them, and yep. so many different um, bands. He's a frequency master. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting in a room with him and getting, get, get, you know, he's a sensei of his own kind, man. And I'm really looking forward to learning from him. So that should be, that should be just a, 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 a wonderful experience straight across the board. And that's what I'm really super into is just really good experiences. Awesome, man. Well, good luck with all of that, and great having of you back on. As man. usual, this has been one of them. Thank you guys so much. All right. Take Thank care, you, man. man. Appreciate it. Um, good talking to you. Yeah, if anybody needs to reach out to me, I'm easy to find. Uh, PhysicalCultureCollective.com. That, or you can hit me at GVVStrong at Instagram. Yep. Cool, And man. Twitter. <laughs> and Twitter. Yeah. And you know, there's there's pictures of you with double D kettlebells on all of those double different meetings. Double D kettlebells on both of those. <laughs> In under rooms. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will get the underers and do that. Captain America underers. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. All right, guys. Thank you so great much. Great talking to you, man. You have a good one. Okay.
Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, it's funny you're talking about the UFC because it's a big deal this week. Right yeah. now, it's it's fight, fight week. week. It's fight week. The expo is going to be here. There's a bunch of parties. Forrest Griffin and Dan Hardy are hosting a party for Fight Pass subscribers at the Red Rock tomorrow. Cool. And there's just this a whole host of events. They're trying to make it sound like, oh, because you're a member. I was like, yeah, you know how many? There's millions of members. <laughs> right. <laughs> there's probably thousands of members in town. So it's not going to be... 20 people over there. It's not like you're flying out. those people all out there. It's like, cause you're a member, you know, we're hooking you up. Well, whenever you get an email with a free invitation it's because they want to make sure there's people there. <laughs> the man, the demand is low, not because you're special. It's because, Hey, let's get as many people here as possible. And we don't know if anyone's going to show up for these two guys. <laughs> so let's, let's make it free. <laughs> you know, you know, I'd say, Hey, Conor McGregor is hosting a party at oh, the yeah, FGM Brad. Yeah. That, that one, yeah. they're going to charge a hundred bucks a head to get in. Right. <laughs> oh man yeah but this yeah. weekend should be interesting the the ufc 200 i'm looking forward to it especially that main event yeah i mean for a while there it just seemed like this was gonna be a very lackluster you know event right you know, right you expect so much because i mean when you have their pay-per-views from i mean we had 198 actually 197 198 199 and then the people that had stacked in those cars i'm like okay who the hell are you gonna have left for 200 you know, right. you know, a few months ago, we were like, OK, how is this even going to even come close to how UFC 100 was when all your st- top stars are already fighting? So, you know, kind of it's kind of lucky that Cormier kind of got injured there and they had to postpone that fight because again, right. that wasn't supposed to be the main you know event of this card. That was supposed to happen. You know, other otherwise Lesnar Hunt would have been the main event. And that's not enough. For yeah. Main. I mean, that's you would. that's part of a tag on bonus fight. Yeah. That's something, you know. You, I mean, yeah, you would brought your little WWE fans over for that one event or whatever else. But for people who are already, in the, you know, watching MMA, they were like, OK, what else you got? Well, even, even the placement of that fight on the card is amusing because yeah. you, have, you have three championship fights. And then that fight is sandwiched in between <laughs> Tate Nunes and in the main card. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so it's almost like it's and here's an exhibition fight just for you. <laughs> or so they're like, basically so. But so what they're basically saying is. You guys are both champions, Aldo, Edgar, and Tate Nunes. You guys are champions, but we're going to throw a bigger fight than you two, which is a non-championship <laughs> fight. <laughs> my, my, we had a guy that you know that fought for a championship and one guy that was a champion, but uh, honestly, neither one of these guys are in the hunt, you know, for for the belt anytime soon. No, no, <laughs> you know, but they're a bigger draw than you, <laughs> you know, which kind of sucks to say that. That that fight basically. Lesnar really doesn't have anything to lose because nah. it's just a one-off for him. Hunt has a lot to lose though because if yeah. a guy, if a guy it's took like a four-year break, it's almost like a setup. Like a break I think when they get in. you know at the end of that contract where you have a three contract <laughs> yeah. or something like yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. and this person's no longer in pretty much in the hunt for the belt anymore. But you like, how do I get? But they keep winning. Somebody like a Dan Henderson. It's just like it's just to the point where it seems like Dan just won't go away. And it seems like even when he started to contemplate going away, he's like, okay, just do this one last fight. And then he wins, like in a fashion where you can't even deny him. Like, well, damn, you know, like this dude's—is he really like Rory when they matched up Rory with Wonder Boy for his the last fight on his contract? That felt kind of like a setup too, because anyone else Rory wouldn't have had a problem with. But that that one I felt was a bad stylistic matchup, as they say, for Rory. I actually bet I actually placed a small bet on Wonder Boy and won that one. He was a slight underdog, and (laughs) it was it was. That one also, if Rory won, I don't know if that would have given him a one-track to a rematch with with, with Robbie. Robbie. Yeah. 
But if he loses, then that hurts his contract negotiations exactly. and all that. Exactly. So, so that was kind of one of those lose lose situations. Exactly. And that's how I kind of look at this, you know, with Lesnar and Hunt, man. It's just kind of like, okay, what do we do with this guy? All right, let's see what happens with this. You know, I see that kind of like with Kane and Travis too. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. So it's kind of like, okay. well, if Kane loses, he's in big trouble. Oh that. yeah. <laughs> if Travis loses, no one really expected him to win that, so it's not that big of a deal. But yeah. it, but but Kane, he's the number one or number two contender right now, former champion. People are expecting him to basically blow through Travis, and I don't I don't know if he'll blow through him, but I think he should win that fight. Right. And another situation is you know Johnny Hendricks and Kevin Gastelum. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like yeah, we we could stand to lose one of these guys, and <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to hurt. He's like, okay, one of you, you had a taste of gold, so hey, it's not that bad. You can always have that moment. And you know, Kevin's always kind of yeah, had like issues. Dana, we're happy when Robbie beat Johnny Hendricks because Robbie is way more marketable. Yeah, than yeah. Johnny is. Yeah, Definitely. and I like Johnny. I think he's a good fighter, but Robbie's just way more marketable. Exactly. I mean, even <laughs> I mean, I, I was just thinking about today before we started the show. I was like, okay, what if Misha were to lose to Amanda? Does yeah, Dana that, that could happen? Because honestly, because I mean, let's just be honest. It seems like Dana's never really been behind Misha. You know, she's a little too outspoken, and she she'll talk about the politics and all that. She won't play necessarily play the puppet or the game or whatever else. So, right. but you know, you got you got to think that Dana's thinking back his mind. Like, okay, if she wins this and she goes on and fight, it could be it could be Holly, it could be. You know, it could be Rhonda. But the the problem is, if she beats either one of them again, well, what the hell do I do? So it's kind of like, sometimes I feel like I, I kind of wish, I think he kind of wishes that Misha would go away. <laughs> well, I mean, one, I don't, even with the, the amount of time Rhonda has been laid off, I don't see Misha beating Rhonda necessarily. Just, just, of, just of how Rhonda, just how dominant Rhonda was over her the last two fights. And Matt Brown said it best. He goes, Misha's a better fighter in terms of being more well-rounded and all that. But the thing, the few things that Ronda is good at, she's way better at than right. Misha. That it's enough to nullify her skill set, and that kind of sums it up Which really well. On multiple occasions. Now. <laughs> I, I think though it would be I mean, they're not going to do this, but they should. It would behoove someone like Ronda to take a lower tier. I, said, I thought exactly. Yeah, you know, like I number seven like, or eight or something like that, just to get just to get your head straight, get yeah, your just confidence. Just like what he did with John, you know, with, with, because because of how long the layup is. Like with John, that worked in his favor, man. Just work out the kinks, yeah. get some reps in, work on your confidence, and then realize maybe like I noticed he made a big change in his training after that fight in terms of not doing as much powerlifting. He felt right. that having the extra size just made him tired faster. Like he yeah. didn't have this, he didn't have the same spring in his step, and he felt like his conditioning wasn't as good with the additional muscle size. And, so and he was he, yeah, competing he, against a guy who deals with that problem. So right, probably looking right. at a mirror of himself, like, oh, you know what? I get it, OSP. I see why why you feel the way you do. And you know what? This is not my life. Right. <laughs> so this sucks. So he made a point of just getting just stripping all of that off. So when he comes into this fight with Cormier, mm-hmm. he's going to be like he was the first time they fought. Exactly. So I thought that was interesting. Now imagine if he didn't have a chance to make that assessment, and when he and he he just fought Cormier, and then realized that fighting him and losing potentially. Right. So he's kind of coming in, you know, getting cocked. Now, he's not going to be as big as, you know, Rumble or somebody like that, but he's going to come in feeling like those guys, you know, a lot of times. I mean, that's Rumble's biggest, that's his Achilles heel right there, man. He'll, he'll start getting tired. Cause. Well, the thing, well, the thing with John, too, is when, when you've developed that level of strength, even, even if you only hold on to 70% of it, which he definitely will, he's still going to feel a lot stronger oh, yeah. than the first time. Because, on, okay, you pick like, muscular first of all, the size first time you pick Daniel up like a little rag doll the first time yeah, they fought. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now compared 
Think about it now. He might German suplex him <laughs> just right. just for the fun of you. You know what? Lesnar's on the bill. Let me do this dedicated to him. Here's a German suplex just for you, uh, Lesnar. Just yeah, I, I have you. an interesting perspective on that fight because I really want to see John win. But at the same time, you're looking at that spread going, eh, you know, Cormier could pull this off, man. He could pull this That's off. Just, and, God, if he pulls it off, man, I, I think I have to stop watching because he won't He won't ever shut up. Well, it would be interesting. <laughs> if, like, if I put 100 bucks on Cormier and I win 300, I would be happy about that. But I would be disappointed too because you know I want to see Sean win, so that's an interesting situation. Like, are you bet on him? And then John wins. You're like, okay, I'm glad John wins. Like, well, shit, I lost that buddy now. <laughs> so it's it's an interesting situation. But those are the things where you like, if you're gonna, uh, I'm, I'm by no means like some professional sports better. I just do this for fun. But a lot of times you have to take any kind of emotional attachment out of the equation. In other words, yeah. you don't bet on someone just because you like them. Like, oh, I like that guy, so I'm gonna bet on him. Like, it's that's like, like I like their jerseys. That's why I bet on the Raiders. I'm like, yeah, how's that working out for you for the last 20 years? <laughs> so you really have to have this unbiased logical analysis and use that as your basis to make a bet rather than well i don't like that guy so i don't want to bet on him right <laughs> that's a mistake yeah so that one should be interesting and then what else was on that card i think alvarez versus dos años i i don't i mean alvarez is a great fighter but i just don't see how he wins that fight and he's a three to one underdog too and then that one i think is more for good reason, you know, right. because Dos Anjos is incredible. And if you look at you look at the training he does with Nick Curzon, how fast he is, like how fast he was to hit Anthony Pettis. Like he just hit him out of nowhere. He just took down Cowboy out of nowhere. He's oh, yeah. like Nick Curzon's system is make these guys so fast and explosive that they're always the first one to do whatever they want to do. They're never reacting to their opponent. Yeah, and speaking of Pettis, you know, I saw that he dropped down to one forty five. He's fighting um Oliveira. Oliveira and um in August, I think you have to do that when you lose three in a row. Well, yeah, he's one of those guys <laughs> kind of in the setup situation where you know the next fight you lose, you know, it's just gonna make it very easy to let you go. You yeah, know, he's, he's boxed gone. Not, you know, do or die for him at this point. Yeah, you can't so, lose four in a row and then just keep that, just keep throwing you bones. Yeah, so I, I think <laughs> try to avoid everything. It becomes this this whole weight class moving game. That's what a lot of fighters end up doing. You know, they go to this this weight class then. Lose a couple in that one, may win a couple in that one. But just to make sure, even though they may be two and one in that next weight class, they go to another one. Just kind of, just kind of keep trying to confuse the issue a little bit and put it off. What's interesting, the landscape by this time next week could be dramatically different for the UFC. You could have new champions in what, five different weight classes? Yeah. (laughs) Potentially, right? Crazy. But Imagine major things have happened because there was there was last year where all the top champions and everybody's golden tickets they were all gone. Well, look, man, this My, is a year where Michael Bisping knocked out Luke Rockwell. <laughs> all right, no one saw that one. <laughs> no. I didn't. Even, I didn't even think it was worth making a bet. At I mean, I, wa- I wanted it to happen, but it was it was just kind of one of the things like. It'd be cool if he actually finally gets his his time yeah, yeah, right yeah, now because he's running out of time. <laughs> you know. It'd be kind of a cool way for him to finish off his career, just to say, it, "Hey, it, that's I how I was looking at this, and then and I'm like, done. He did it." <laughs> like, yeah, he can, I was like, I'm not going to defend this. I'm done. Yeah, it's just like, okay, now you can retire. You can stop now. But no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> well, imagine if he goes on and defends it five times or well, something. What if he pulls a rock, <laughs> yeah, he pulls a rock yeah. on him? You're just like, you know, 
Damn. And then he retires. He's like, man, that was the greatest middleweight of all time. <laughs> yeah. And that's definitely what he would say. Imagine if, imagine if he beats Luke in the rematch or he oh, beats man. Chris Wyman or yep. he fights Anderson again, beats him. That would be crazy. Beats Jack Array. That would be, that would be crazy. He's like, he's like yeah, all you guys talk about Anderson's the greatest. I'm the greatest. <laughs> and you'll never the end of it. Well, I mean, it's, it's as far fetched as it sounds in theory. It's not unreasonable. It's not unreasonable. Look no. at the fact that he knocked out Luke Rockhold, who no one thought he could knock out. Right. <laughs> And hey, man! Like I said, in this in this sport, stranger things have happened. <laughs> so, no doubt. Cool, man. All right, folks. So before we head out, make sure you head over to both our websites. Head over to newwarriortraining.com. Use that coupon code LLA. Get ten percent off everything over there that you can purchase. And what about you, man? Do it, do it now. <laughs> <laughs> to my oh, you talk about the host of the, the Celebrity Apprentice for yeah, next season. Just, right? just do it. Get over there. <laughs> get over to MikeBaller.com. Use the yeah, yeah, that will be interesting. Use that coupon code LLA. Get ten percent off some aggressive strength. Get on the whole. Get, also, I want to make sure people realize that things get cheaper the more you buy. So if you buy five bottles of aggressive strength, it's actually discounted by about 25% automatically. And then you can get 10% on top of that. So don't just buy one, especially as those of you that have actually used the products, you know they work. Stock up a little bit. Buy a couple bottles of each thing. Use that. Then you're already getting an automatic discount. And then you can use that coupon code on top of that and get an additional 10%. So just be aware of that. And go do it. Don't don't hear about it. Don't talk about it. Go do it. Don't talk about what you're going to do. Go do it right now. Exactly. And also head over to patreon.com slash LLA podcast. Become a monthly supporter of the show. Yes, a supporter of the show. Big time. <laughs> you can buy doing that. And um, again, big shout out to all those folks who keep continue to do the Patreon bump, which is basically these are folks who have supported folks, supported us on Patreon. But they decide, like, you know what? Content, man, they keep these guys keep delivering. They're consistent. So I'm going to give a little more. So they ended up increasing their their support each month monetarily on Patreon. So jump on board now. Start off with a five dollar monthly you know, donation or even more. And yeah, man, help us out with that. And we'll keep the show going and growing, especially you'll be rewarded in the end as we get ready to move to that subscription service, which is right around the corner. So even bigger things are coming with that. All right. Other than that, keep the reviews coming on iTunes and Stitcher. Keep sharing the episode on the social media of choice. And that's pretty much all I have, man. And we'll see how these predictions turn out come the next time you guys hear us on the show. See, like, oh, see if, if you don't hear from Mike, that means he did pretty well on that, um, <laughs> on that Cormier fight. And yeah, I'm still he on said, you know what? Screw that. this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I got me a nice little place down in Costa Rica and I'm good now. <laughs> Yeah, I won't, I won't be placing. It's the thing about John Jones. A good friend of mine made a good point. He goes, he goes, I'm not betting against John Jones until somebody beats him. Until <laughs> <laughs> right. then, forget it, man. He said the same thing about Ronda. It's like I'm not betting on her until somebody beats her. It's like okay, right. now you can bet against her. Right. So if Cormier actually pulls us off, then it's like <sighs> we'll see. It's hard. It's hard to imagine that happening though. I just don't see it happening. Right. But I'm not Nostradamus. It's not like I have a crystal ball in the future of what's going to happen. You never know. Hey man, matter the call up our buddy Steve Maxwell and um, <laughs> reach <laughs> yeah. out to his astrology coach, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real. That's the real test right there, Steve. Hit that guy up and tell him, give you the predictions for UFC 200. <laughs> yeah, if this guy knows so much, he should know how the energy in Vegas is going to affect exactly. each fighter and, and which one's going to be more inclined to benefit from that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh man! All right. This week, folks. Take care, everyone. Take care.